This podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Nexus Recruitment Group, official Bristol City Football Club short sponsors. There is a company or brand within the group that can assist all recruitment needs across any industry to suit any budget. Head over to nexus-resources.k.uk for more information. Three Peeps in the podcast, the bonus show. Before we get into the game, the Luton Town away match, I've got a guest with me, um, and that is Ellis from Away Days. Ellis, how are you, sir? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Thanks for jumping on. I had to try and get 10 minutes with you to talk about the vlog that you did on Saturday. Now, I'm, I'm familiar with your work from when you first sort of started this as a, a good friend of mine is Adam Thurston, who's uh, who had a ground hopping YouTube uh, channel. But um, in recent time, he's um, he's not YouTubing as much. And now he's the videographer at Yate Town FC. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, no, but uh, yeah, your your video on on Saturday, you know, obviously the production value is I'm a big fan of um, and the content is is fantastic as well. But before we talk about the video itself, which incidentally has now got over 60,000 views um, and your YouTube channel, you know, you've got um, 155,000 subscribers. So how has that grown? Has it grown rapidly or has it been a, a bit of a grind? Yeah, it was really weird because um, lockdown was like a huge growth spurt for my channel because I started doing the football shirt stuff. Um, so like I started making videos on football shirts and that blew up. And now I've been able to bring back away days in a way that is now better than it was before, in my opinion, in terms of production, in terms of everything. Mm. Now it's like, so now I can tie them into that as well. So I think we've got a really nice blend of the channel's grown and we've managed to sustain it as well, which I think has been quite nice. That was my main fear, really, when the channel grew. I was like, what if it just suddenly dies? So <laughs> it's been quite nice. Yeah, I guess one of your early videos would probably have been a, a much less much less of production value and more of a just getting it out there. But I don't know if you're anything like me, but I learned through trial and error and taking on new bits of software and things like that. And it just grows from there, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's all about problem with a football vlog is like you have to be reactive like if you upload it a day later you, like people like for example Bristol City fans as soon as you've won that game you wanted to consume all the content around it so you have to be quick so it's all about finding a happy balance where it can be like well edited and nice but also be up in a time where the interest is still in that fixture and this video has kind of helped by the fact that it was an early kickoff so it meant that there was still all the day for that initial boost of the views to do where sometimes if you do like an evening game, you might have to put up like 1 a.m. And then at that point, it's like... Well, and you still want to have a sad evening as well, don't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. My sad evening was weird because I'm a Leeds fan. So we're driving home, lose to Newcastle. So it's like, just the video was doing really well, but I was just so annoyed, like <laughs> angry. So yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, no, it's like that with the podcast. We want to try and get it out there, as you say, so that, so that, that we've got post-match reaction to the game. You know, yeah. we've got we've got Luton today. So this is Tuesday, the 25th of January. We had Cardiff on Saturday. So we wanted to get that podcast out as quickly as possible after Saturday to give people a chance to listen to it, either on the way to Luton or yeah. or before. So, yeah, it's a tough one. Um, let's go on to the vlog itself. I have watched it. It's it's great. You've got so much content in there about the game, the uh, the crowd, which uh, which is quite interesting. But your thoughts on Ashton Gate Stadium initially, you know, walking around, you've, you were really impressed by the looks of it. 
yeah it was one of them ones where i never know what to expect i never do like I do like research on the club, but never on a stadium because I want each stadium to be my authentic. Oh, this is what it's like here. Because um, then I think it's easier for a neutral to see what a club is about. But it was one of them where I was shocked at how modern it was. Like, and the fact you can just go around and the fact that there's just so, there is genuinely, I think that makes it, for example, it's at my girlfriend and she's notoriously like, she's not overly keen on football or the experience. Like she enjoyed the fact that there wasn't just, it wasn't just, oh, you can get a chocolate bar for two pounds and a hot chocolate. Like you actually have stuff there that makes it desirable for people who maybe aren't so keen on football. And I think because Bristol is obviously quite a big uni place, I think that will help get people, maybe more fans or whatever. But mm. I think it definitely makes it more appealing for families to go. Yeah, it's a really good point that you make. I mean, I, I sit in the Lansdowne stand, stand and I historically I used to sit in the Dolman. But now yeah. you can literally walk in at one end of the Lansdowne and you can walk all the way around the concourse to the other side of the Dolman stand. And there's such a blend and different types of food, different types of drink. And I, I guess, you know, there is something for everybody. It's it's uh, It covers all the bases, doesn't it? Yeah, Jody kept pointing out to me, like, whenever you go to football, you expect to see the goggle-hooded things, the Stone Island. <laughs> We've never understood them goggle hoods like i don't understand because you don't use them um no. at the stone line is like stereotypical football fans and i love that obviously i'm a football fan myself yeah but like even the outfits there it was a very it felt very inclusive like it felt like anyone could just go to a bristol city game and if we, and like the people were so friendly there's never a point where it felt like someone was off of what we were doing um yeah it just felt it was a really nice experience yeah, fantastic. Um, let's get into the game itself then. Obviously, a seven-side derby is always um, a heated affair on and off the pitch. Um, and you were pretty much in amongst it, weren't you, down in that corner? Yeah, so I'll be honest, complete transparency. Before we got inside, I kind of predicted in my head what a video is going to do. Because like, I was like, this is going to be a bit of a bad one. But then we got inside and then we were we were up really high and like, I booked the tickets because I wanted to be up to the away end for, for content-wise, it's better yeah. to see both. And then I just sat down and realised I've messed up it. So we quickly walked down to the front and we just stood there. And like, thankfully we did because it was just insane what went on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was very... I liked the whole England against Wales thing. I thought it had such a different flavour to it. The No other game in England offers that. No. I guess you've been to a few derbies in the past, haven't you? Yeah, quite a few. So this season... We've done Budapest, Bucharest, um, PSG Marseille is technically a rivalry, not a derby, but we've done some big ones like that. And this dude was up there. It was really good. I liked, it was weird. I've never seen people use swimming as an insult, but like, it's just, it was a fun game to be at from a neutral perspective. And the score, the scoreline, obviously the first half an hour was really not a lot happened. We had to make adjustments to the team with two early injuries. Um, but the sort of the last 60 minutes with them scoring and us getting that goal back straight away, uh, I think that was when it all started to uh, kick off really, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I was, I tell you, I was really impressed by your two centre mids. I thought they were so, and I, I was a Hanoa Masengo. I yep. heard that he can either be brilliant or he's being consistent, but he's young. Mm. And he, I thought he was fun. I thought he controlled the game. I thought it was brilliant. And then the young lad that he just got from Guernsey, I was told, he's yeah. like 18. He was, yeah, he was fantastic. So I think, yeah. it's, like I said, that game's really weird because it felt like you won it. 
And like what you now have the playoffs, nine, ten points. Yeah, nine points. It, it yeah. wouldn't be that weird in the championship if you put on a run. Like in five games' time, you could be three points off the playoffs. Yeah, we we just we've got um a little bit of a depth issue, I, I'd say, because you know, you've got Joe Williams who if he stays fit and is hopefully coming back into the squad, well, he was in the squad on Saturday, but might start tonight. Um, he is some player. He's exactly what, what we need and what we want. And then you've got alongside that, Matty James, who's out injured, and Andy King, who's now out injured. Um, so, yeah, interesting you touch on that midfield of Hanno, Masengo, and like Scott, because the average age there is like 19 for a centre yeah. midfield, which is crazy. Um, and, yeah, we, we just can't afford any more injuries and if we do get those players back um, and we do continue in this sort of form um, with Ant- Ant- Antoine Semenyo now banging the goals in as well up top and Chris Martin rejuvenated after a little little rest, then who knows? A late surge for the playoffs um, would be obviously fantastic. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the final score of, of 3-2 and uh, it made for such, such a great vlog. And I guess when you get games like that for a, a neutral like yourself, who's a YouTuber, you must be rubbing your hands together. Yeah, exactly. You always want a lot. You'll notice a lot with vlogs that the, the, a disaster is a nil-nil. Like if you get a nil-nil, <laughs> you're like, oh, please, something in the crowd happened that you can be in the thumbnail. Like, <gasps> um, but you need a narrative, really. And like games like that, like you don't, I could have uploaded that like unedited and it would have done the same. If you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just so much going on that it, that it, right, it does your job for you. So I, I like, I like stuff like that. I think that's like, I think this is the only time this season I've had a game where I didn't have to like push a narrative almost like it was but I just titled it like fans fight because they did Cardiff fans were literally fighting um and then I just put I didn't just chaos because it was chaos absolute chaos so what's coming up next for you what's your next game I'm doing Billericay against Dorking this weekend so you wow. know I, I haven't done non-league in a while and I wanted to get back to Billericay because I haven't been since they got rid of or the owner left. So I want to go now and see what it's like post his era. Right. Excellent. Well, Ellis, thanks so much for, for coming to Ashton Gate and the great comments you've given about the stadium. Um, and yeah, thanks for coming on Three Peeps in a Podcast. And coming up after the break, we will have our post-match reaction to Luton versus Bristol City. Any predictions, Ellis, on that one? I reckon you're going to win 2-1. I take it. Thanks so much for coming on. Take care. All right, yeah, thanks for having me on. Okay, so we're back after the break. Big thanks to Ellis for joining us and chatting about that vlog um, from the Cardiff game. But it's been a disappointing evening, I'm afraid, at Kenilworth Road, a 2-1 defeat. And uh, after such a bright start, it's a bitter pill to swallow at Kenilworth Road. Uh, Matt is with me. He's on the road home from Kenilworth Road. Uh, Matt, your sort of headline thoughts, please. Uh, I don't, I don't want to sound harsh, really, but... Two moments from Max O'Leary from me. Um, certainly the first goal, he had to come for it. He stuttered, didn't. Uh, obviously the second goal was at the far end, but again, it looked like he stayed rooted on his line and that was the difference. Yeah, yeah. Quite a few people have said that on uh, the tweets, which we'll get to later. Um, two changes, Matt, today. Atkinson and King obviously coming out after coming off injured um, and replaced from 
with uh, Viner and De Silva, and effectively we finished the game um, at Cardiff with that with that starting lineup. Yeah, which is which is what we said when it's what we thought would happen. Um, I'm not sure there was too much choice. Maybe you know we we talked about on my sort of way up. We had a chat and thought maybe Joe Williams might come into the equation, but I think they obviously want to manage him back carefully. So. Yeah, it, it was no surprise that the side that finished was the side that, that started. Mm. So the three words from Lee were set piece shambles. Uh, so that accurately reflects what you said at the very start, Matt. Um, we've got a guest with us. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Phil Donaldson, who was exiled from Bristol 20 years ago, and it's left him with this this weird Bristolian-American accent. So uh, this is going to be a treat for everybody. Phil, come in, sir. How you doing, sir? How you and, doing? Good, good to be on here finally. Yeah, absolutely. We've been trying to find a slot for you to make, and I thought this evening game might be uh, time difference allowing for you. So uh, thanks for joining us. Um, your thoughts on 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 tonight? Your headline sort of thoughts from you? Yeah, it's like I thought. I didn't think it was terrible, to be honest with you. I mean, like kind of everybody has said, it's two set pieces, two two set pieces, and just a little bit of lack of craft in the final third i think yeah. was what really was the the headlines coming out of it yeah absolutely okay we're going to go through the minutes so um, plenty to get through in the first first half anyway um so second minute an awesome corner in from jada silva tests the luton defender who heads over um and that was the first in the fourth minute we'd had four corners and phil that's not something that happens very often is uh is getting four corners in four minutes is it no, four, four corners in four minutes, but I think the the almost you could tell, right? I mean, we got nothing on those four corners. Maybe that was a prelude to the whole game. <laughs> they did with set pieces. They did with set pieces, and we didn't, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Six minutes. Scott bursts forward on the right. The cross goes deep to Callum O'Dowda, who cuts inside, but his shot is blocked. City looking great on the pitch. Uh, sorry, City looking great on the break. Um, and one thing I picked up on, Matt, in that first six minutes, obviously watched Luton um, away a number of times. That pitch is so narrow. On, on the screen, you could hardly see Callum O'Dowda. Yeah, it is really narrow. I mean, it's it it really is a throwback. Um, you know, if you if you've never been to Luton, it's the strangest ground to get into from an away fans' point of view. You go through a set of terraced houses. Um, the the away stand is really old, um, and as you say, that the pitch is really narrow. Um, I think they were one of the the first clubs I can remember that had um, kind of hospitality boxes, but they're almost kind of. <laughs> prefab and still from the 70s so yeah it's a, a very very strange grind and i mean it looked full when there was only nine thousand in it right yeah uh, 564 away fans i think it was but when what question on the wasp on the ground when did they tear up their tupperware pitch oh years ago yeah years <laughs> ago um, i think they had to yeah their astroturf pitch yeah yeah i remember yeah. that I got to ask as well when when you said at the start with Phil, you said when he was exiled, like you know, <laughs> almost, almost by the Queen, right? Get him out! I want him out. Of the yeah, country. no. So, so Phil, yeah. Phil was. Uh, <laughs> Phil was our goalkeeper for Longwell Green Old Boys, and after a series of uh, shoddy displays, we decided to kick him out of the country. <laughs> they didn't call me yeah. slippery for no reason. <laughs> Yeah, brilliant. Right. Uh, okay, into the ninth minutes. Another corner. 
The cross is uh, well held up from Calamo Dauda. Uh, and the game is getting quite frantic with Semenyo starting to cause problems. Matt, that first 10 minutes was all Bristol City, really, wasn't it? I think, sorry, uh, Sat Nav wants to join in. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think it was, you know, I mean, you're, you're right, the 10 minutes, but it went on longer than that. It was a really encouraging display where we were playing, all right. We were <laughs> <laughs> having an <laughs> argument with, uh, with yeah, Mercedes we were, there. We were, we were playing through the thirds. Um, it was just the final ball, just the final ball. But we, yeah, we were dominating. Yeah. 11th minute, we saw a classic Kalas Kamikaze um, where we all held our breath for a few minutes to see if he's going to break his collarbone or land on his head. But unfortunately, well, fortunately, he came out of that one okay. Uh, 16th minute, a couple of great forward passes from Masengo, one where he could have opted to shoot and another was a 30-yard pass to Weiman out wide left. Your thoughts on Masengo there, Phil? Yeah, so, I mean, Matt kind of just touched on it. I, I love the fact that I think they've changed over the last, like, you know, two, three, four weeks, right, of how they're playing. And there's one key time. As ran that, what you're talking about, they just played out from the back under a pressure and just played out. And Masengo and Scott, I thought, were great, especially in the first half. Kind of went out of it after that. But, I mean, I, I thought they were both exceptional. And what are they, 20 and 18 yeah, between yeah, them? Absolutely, yeah. Average age of our centre midfield was 19 today. Um, Matt, Masengo, uh, we're still waiting for that goal, but... There was a number of opportunities today. A couple he took and a couple he chose not to. Yeah, I mean, every time he got on the ball with sort of 25, 30 yards, the away end would just shout and shoot. And it was <laughs> like, yeah, I know, I know we're all desperate, but actually <laughs> it's probably not the right option. But agree with with Phil. I mean, I, I thought Alex Scott and Hammersengo were absolutely top drawer. Um, they, they bossed it. They absolutely bossed it. Yeah. 20th minute, fairly fluid again in terms of positions, I, I, I was noting here. Jada Silva sort of was coming into the middle a bit, and the front three of Martin, Weiman and Semenyo seemed to be interchanging quite a lot. So I think that was part of the plan. Uh, Scott has a chance to shoot on the edge, but opts to retain possession, followed by a nice burst forward from Viner for Scott to cross, but comes to nothing. So everyone's getting involved, seemingly, Phil, here in this uh very attacking display. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that, I think the the only weakness that I had was down the right side. De Silva did great, but the problem was, you know, De Silva would come in, like you said, but there was nobody. Viner, you know, as that right center back was potentially the one who needed to get outside of him. And I think that's where we lacked maybe getting that final ball in, in that first half. There just wasn't anything coming in because, you know, De Silva... I don't know if he's ever kicked a ball with his right foot, but I don't think he, I don't think he did tonight anyway. So I think that was the one downside that probably hurt us. Yeah. I noticed uh, an article on Twitter the other day from, I think it was Man City or Pep Guardiola about the inverted fullback. And that seems to be, uh, seems to be something that's uh, catching on, but uh, yeah, it's interesting that he's obviously started there again today. And yeah, he, 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 he yeah, he didn't, he didn't uh, didn't have a bad game, but uh, yeah, it was interesting to see where we go in the next game with that one. Uh, 23rd minute, uh, a lovely lobbed pass from Pring creates another crossing opportunity for Calamo Dada, but it's dealt with. 
Um, and noted here, Matt, that the narrow pitch didn't really allow Callas a run-up for any throw-ins, so we didn't really see any long throws on what is surely one of the narrowest pitches in the country. Yeah, I think he tried a couple of times, but like, oh, sorry. I think he tried a couple of times, but it just, as you say, there's just no, there's nowhere for him to go back to. So, um, yeah, it was, well, again, we keep saying it, but it, it is a, just a really small pitch. So, yeah. but again, it, it didn't really need it. I thought the way that we were playing, if we could have just improved our crossing, we got so much of the ball, um, we just couldn't find that cross, you know, it was of any danger. Yeah. 26 minute, the silver in a good position, um, but doesn't shoot. There's lots of this. This is recurring over the last sort of 26 minutes here yeah, of yeah. opportunities to take a shot. And we didn't have one shot on target in the whole first half. Um, doesn't shoot. Then Masengo does opt to shoot, but is leaning back and it sails over the top. Um, and Phil, 30th minute, 68% possession for Bristol City um, and not one shot on target. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you kind of nailed it on the head. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the silver. I've got it written down because, you know, I did my notes because I was coming on here. Mm. And uh, it literally, I've literally got the silver's good. It's just a shame he's got no right foot. I think what you were talking about, he was in the penalty area and it landed to him. All he had to do was just swing your foot at it. Yeah. I think even you and your brother every you. now and again would swing your right foot at it. Yeah, occasionally. Uh, but no, I complete, completely agree. Um, I was screaming shoot. I think, yeah, probably everyone in the away end was screaming shoot, Matt. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were. And it, it's, a, it's a bit of a reoccurring thing with Jay as well, isn't it? He just doesn't seem to want to take a swing at it. Like Phil said, you know, even at the the lowest sort of amateur level, you know, you're, you're taught to have a go with your swinger and, and sometimes you connect and it's, you know, it sells into the back of the net. So something he, he definitely needs to work on. Yeah. 31st minute, it's a first sort of sniff for Semenyo. He almost latches on to a dodgy back pass, Phil, from Luton. Um, and that's when he sort of kicked into gear. Yeah, and I didn't see a replay of it, but it almost looked like he actually did get a touch. Yeah, Just tiny. not enough of a touch. Yeah, just not enough of a touch on it. But I thought, you, you know, in that first 35 minutes, I just thought you could see confidence. Mm. You could see the confidence in them and... You know, the more they pass the ball, you know, you're talking about that percentage. The more they pass, the more confident they were getting. And I thought the front three were, like you said, interchanging in the run-in. I didn't think they could handle them. It was just a shame it was that final ball. Yeah, and Luton had, Luton made six changes, I think, from the previous match. So it was almost mm. like they were getting to sort of <laughs> know each other again. Um, and we were just absolutely dominant. In the 34th minute, City break with Martin, who doesn't find Semenyo, and City were two-on-two two here, Matt, and it was a missed opportunity to get Semenyo away. Yeah, massive. In you know, Chris Martin, actually, I think they then broke back at the other end, and, and it went for a corner, and Chrissy Martin actually apologised to Semenyo. Um, but it wasn't a difficult pass, and I think that was the frustration. You know, we... A lot of the crosses, we had time to cross. And that in particular, that break, it, you, you're talking about really a, a, just a ball in past that first defender and Semenya's got a run on goal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Luton, Luton now are slowly starting to come back into this. Um, and you think all this possession, we've been here before. <laughs> um, and who knows what happens next? Here we go. Uh, 40th minute, Viner's down injured um, and we're literally down to the bare bones. 
Uh, we're down to 10 men for the corner. Uh, the corner comes in and it's a, a goal for none other than Tom Lockyer, who ran in front of you, Matt, and uh, let you know his feelings, I saw. Um, but it was 1-0 one, one to Luton, who had the man advantage, and it told. And and Max should be coming for that, Matt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I, I don't want to be critical of Max, but, you, you know, you've got to call it how you see it. I think Dan Bentley was dropped, which is what, what happened, Um without really making a mistake. Um, I'm not sure that he was necessarily at the top of his game, but I don't think you could attribute any of the goals to him. That one for me, um, just watching it live, and obviously it was at our end, Max went to go and then stopped in, you know, the back post. I think Jay De Silva was at the back post um, and it was a simple header. But yeah, for me, it's, it was absolutely a goalkeeping error. Yeah, yeah, a real shame. Um 45th minute, Masengo's delivery into the box is poor and sums up the half of Bristol City. Lots of guile, but lacking the final ball, I think, uh, sort of sum that one up. The halftime summary is in from Rob. Completely bossed the first half hour. High energy, good passing and moving generally, but nonetheless lacking any real finesse in the final third. Luton there for the take-in at that point, but we couldn't take the advantage of our overall superiority suspected it could prove costly and with a clear game plan for them to bully us once we had mistakes creeping in too they got the foothold and were after to f- were, and they were after to force the game so I should read these first and I poorly <laughs> defended goal and if we're going to get anything out of the game now not only do we need to match them up physically to regain control but also be a lot more clinical in the final third would you agree can with I, that, can Phil? I just, Yeah, go on, Matt. Sorry, sorry, Phil, jumping in. Can I just say, Rob talked a lot there about physicality. They didn't out-physical you know, out us. Is obviously not the right word. But they didn't out-muscle us at all. Thomas Callas was an absolute rock at the back. Zach Viner stood up strong um, and in the midfield. So I, I know what Rob's saying, you know, in terms of the, the free kick, definitely we didn't man, you know, put the right men on there. But... Yeah. There's no way during that first half they outmuscled us. City more than matched them. Um, and like I said, Thomas Callis was gutted that we went 1-0 down because he had, he'd won absolutely every header. So, mm. yeah, I, I don't really disagree with Rob. And he may mean in terms of the free kick, but in the overall game, um, I thought it was a really well-matched City performance. Yeah. Phil, your thoughts? It, yeah, I, I would kind of... I'll actually agree with Matt there because I think, you know, if Viner doesn't get hurt, Jada Silver is probably not marking. Viner's marking him instead. Viner, who I've written down, you know, the strength, you know, was there the whole half. He potentially, right, wins the header. You know, don't forget, we're only talking about O'Leary not coming for the ball and making a mistake because Lockyer had a free header. Mm. Right, he had a free header because De Silver lost his man. Yeah. So... I would I would also disagree with the bullying part. I mean, I thought we stood up, stood up, stood up to him. Leary yeah. didn't have a save to make in the first half. I don't no. think. Very true. Very true. Uh, yeah. So we come into the second half now, um, and you still think how well we've played. We're still in this game, very much so. Uh, so so we're still still fairly buoyant at halftime um, and going into the second half. 54th minute, it's a nice back heel from Pring coming down the left-hand side 
uh, for Callum O'Dowda, who crosses well, but Martin kind of mistimes his jump and sort of heads it up, not in, Phil. Yeah, I mean, what do you say? I mean, that's always a difficult one for a, a forward, right? I mean, what, what do you do? You're, if you time it perfect, then great, and it's a goal. Mm. Just a little bit of mistime, and, you know, it looks terrible. It's just frustrating that that was one of the best deliveries. <laughs> 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 yeah. they've both got to do it though right absolutely yeah takes two to tango as they say yeah. 55th minute Matt Viner long ball up to Semenyo who holds off his man well finds Viman in acres of space who has finished really well that's his 14th goal of the six of the season six assists now for Semenyo and we're back in the game yeah and and I, I thought we were on top again in that second half um it was a, a good move. Semenyo showed his, his strength again. I don't quite know how Andy Vyman had the space that he had, but obviously, you know, he, he took a touch, strode forward, and, and we're, you know, I was, I was actually right behind it in terms of seeing his sort of shape. I thought the keeper committed himself a little bit too early and, and Andy slotted it lovely. And you kind of thought then, that, or I certainly thought then, we'd go on and win it because I, I just felt that we were the better team right up until that point. And it was just those couple of dead piece situations that, that proved costly. Um, but yeah, it was a great finish and he's, he's going strength to strength. I mean, that's the most goals I think he's ever scored in a season, isn't it? So it is Phil, uh, you're how, how important is Andy Vyman to this Bristol city team and how much did we miss him last season? Yeah. I mean, the, the guy is critical, but I think, you know, and I think, you know, Matt kind of said he didn't know how he got so open. I think part of it is, you know, uh, Chris Martin, because that partnership that they had pulled over all three, you know, Semenyo and Martin were over. They pulled all three defenders open, which left him, right? And, and we, we all know Vyman can just run and run and run, right? And that's what you want from an attacking midfielder. If, if the two forwards can pull them out and create those spaces, can he do it? He was doing the first half and did it in the second half. I think that's how he got, they actually pulled him apart and that's how he got so open. Yeah. And obviously Vyman, who's, who's been at some big clubs, he was obviously in the Premier League with Aston Villa. Um, that's, this is his biggest goal return. Is, is he still improving? Is that possible? I think he's 30 now. Or is he literally just getting into a niche position that is suiting him really well? I think, you know, it's a bit of both, right? The, the more he's, he's in a new position, which he's what well, he played a little bit last year, right? But now he's just going to keep learning, understanding the runs, understanding where he's going to go. He's obviously a smart player, mm. and you know, with those two in front of him, I think he, he's just going to keep scoring goals. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, into the 59th minute, Masengo is getting ever closer. His shot is blocked. Then Campring gets a chance. He sort of hooks a shot over. Actually, the keeper saves it, but it wouldn't have counted because there was a foul, I think, um, in the box. But, Matt, two quick-fire chances there. Yeah, I think he gave it his offside, to be honest with you, because um, oh, right. Chrissy Martin, Chrissy Martin was then again asking the ref, but how on earth can it be offside? But, you know, we're right behind it, and, and how on earth the keeper makes the save that he did, I've got no idea. It was unbelievable, but offside anyway, so it wouldn't have counted. Yeah. 66 minutes, Semenyo picked up a book in earlier and now Pring's picked one up as well. Um, there was a few minutes after that, 
uh, Phil, when Semenyo was getting a little bit excitable and I thought any minute now there's going to be a second <laughs> yellow card. Yeah, I think I think Nigel saw that as well, right? Yeah. Hence, hence the sub coming in, ma- making the smart decision that you don't want to, you know, you're 2-1 down. <clears throat> you've got to try and, or was it still 1-1 at that stage? Uh, no, it's 1-1 at that stage. Yeah. Well, for, yeah, for about know, a minute more. <laughs> youthful exuberance right <laughs> yeah exactly we'll come on to the goal now 62nd 67th minute Luton go 2-1 up it's a free kick in from the right and it's scrambled in City were really at sixes and sevens between Pring and Max O'Leary and that was just a truly awful goal to, uh, goal to concede um, Matt your your thoughts on that goal was, was it in front of you or is that up the other end no it's at the other end unfortunately um, yeah. But again, you know, it's it's a cross coming in and it's difficult to see how much movement there was from Max, but it just looked like he was rooted to his spot again. Yeah, Phil, you obviously saw the goal and lots of replays. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, lots of replays, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he could have come for it, but at the same time, you know, when Bull got there, it was three Luton players against zero City players, right? So who 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 ran with him? Again, right, you know, you talk about both goals. Both goals could technically have been cleared by a City player if there was a City player there trying to clear the ball. Mm. So, yeah, Max could have come 100% and punched it, but a City player could have been there to clear it at the same time. And, Matt, this is surely the sort of thing that they work on in training. I think Tins even intimated it, that they would have all have known who was picking up who, um, but it it didn't seem to come to fruition. Yeah, I mean, it was really difficult to see from the far end exactly kind of who who ran off who and how simple a header it was. But it, it or I think it was a bit of a melee. I don't know if it was the first challenge that went in, but um, yeah, they would. I mean, they definitely work on it, and they would certainly, you know, you see see them having their little sort of folders and showing players who's marking who and stuff. But sometimes the ball in makes the difference in. It's where, you know, you, you want your keeper coming and taking everything out. Um, and that's just not Max's game, is it? You know, he's he's much more from a distribution point of view, but um, I'm just a little bit wary from a crossing perspective. And I think when they've got the height that they've got in there and they, they definitely had the physical presence, it's what you need. You know, you need someone to come and get it and, and take that pressure off the back line. Bit of excitement on the seventy-second minute—a substitute for the linesman or referee's assistant, I should say. Um, uh, so he's pulled his hamstring, and replacing him is Naki Wells. No, seventy-fifth minute, uh, Wells and and Williams both come on uh, for Semenyo and Calamo Dowda, which saw Jada Silva going left, Scott coming right, um, and then obviously Williams in the middle. Um, Phil, so your your thoughts on this one? If if Williams is fit enough for fifteen minutes, should he have a started or b came uh, come on earlier? Well, if he's only fit for fifteen minutes, you don't want to bring him on at the start of the game, right? And then take him off fifteen minutes in. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean that they, they know that you know. I think it was telling on Saturday, right when King. that injury happened, when King got hurt. I was like, "Is Williams going to come on?" And that's when they moved Scott inside. So, you know, they they basically have said, right, they've got to be very, very careful mm. with him and manage him. You know, and I think I heard Pearson say, and they've got to manage him more than he wants to be managed himself because he won't do it himself. 
Well, you could tell it. You could tell at the end he sort of punched the ball away, didn't he? In anger, yeah. he, he's a sort of player. I mean, no player like likes losing, but you could tell that. Uh, yeah, he was impacted by I th- that. I think you've also got to say, Patch, as well that Masengo and Scott were so good to bring Joe Williams on and replace either of those in midfield was a big call to make. Um, yeah. And I do, I do think that Joe Williams, you, you saw what the kid is capable of. Um, he showed little glimpses of it. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought he didn't need to make it any earlier because those two were absolute top of their game. Yep, yep, very good point. Um, but Matt, when Wells came on, he did look really sharp. He was straight into the game. There was a one-two, yeah. I think, with Vyman, and Vyman just didn't quite find him for the for the yeah. for the two. Yeah, there was. I thought um, a couple of times Naki Wells sort of you know a little body move, and he opened himself up for a load you know, with with space, um, good running, and showed a real intent. Um, and I, I've been critical on the podcast patch, haven't I, about Naki there. Sometimes I think his attitude doesn't show that of a man who, who who wants the shirt and wants to be, you know, starting the next game. I, I thought he came on and made a, a real impact tonight. I really did. Yeah. Uh, 83rd minute. It was a, a lovely cross-field ball by Williams to Jada Silva on the right hand, on the left-hand side. It was a good cross. Found Martin, who keeps the ball in play with a neat back header to Vyman and you again you expect Vyman to score Phil um on this occasion well worked by Martin but just over from Vyman yeah I mean it was that's Martin right Mar- Martin that's what he does he does the donkey work and then it was I thought it was a great turn by Vyman mm. and I thought it was in I'm sure Matt, Matt had a better view than us though Matt. oh my god <clears throat> yeah we couldn't we could believe it it didn't I mean, it, it must have grazed the bar. It was that close. And, uh, yeah, Andy Vyman couldn't believe it himself that it had gone over. Yeah, it was a hell of a shot. And Phil's quite right. Martin didn't didn't quite come off for him tonight, Martin. His, his touches, in, they, they were a little bit off in compared to Saturday. But, boy, did he put a shift in. Um, and, you know, he, he was creating that space. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it summed the night up, really. You know, everything right until that last moment. I just wonder on that, Matt, whether if he hadn't got the two goals and played well and been man of the match, that he may have been rested tonight. Any any thoughts along those lines? Um, possible. I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. Again, sheer sheer numbers. Um, I don't know that we've got. You know, we haven't got the biggest squad, but I think he's very important in both boxes from a, a physicality point of view. So, yeah, I think if he if he felt fit and he was obviously confident after the two goals. Um, then, you know, it, it was an obvious one. But even without those goals, I thought the performance, his all-round performance Saturday, he, he certainly was, was a, a definite banker to start. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's just, for me, he, in the last couple of games, particularly on Saturday, he's he has seemed a different player to me because he's had that sort of time game management applied. Yeah, and... and Again, patch it at any sport, any level, confidence, isn't it? You know, you, you get that little boost and then, um, you know, you, you, you're you up your levels. And um, I thought, as I say, I thought it was, a, it was a decent performance from tonight and just things didn't quite come off in the way that they did on, on Saturday. Yeah. Okay, um, 84th minute. Um, your thoughts on this substitution, Phil? Um, it's Tommy Conway coming on for Jada Silva. So we're, we're literally throwing another striker, attack-minded player on. Um, and 
basically going for it. Yeah, I mean, what else can you do, right? You mean you're losing two one, and and I thought he actually came on, did well. Like <clears throat> every every appearance he's made, right? Mm. He just puts pressure on. He just runs, doesn't care, kind of thing. Just just get at people. And I'm not sure whether he was wearing like his um whether he was actually wearing uh boots or whether he was wearing. <laughs> I mean, first two things he did, he falls over. It was like good thing, and then he fell over. Good thing, and then he fell over <laughs> when he was trying to go after the ball. I'm like. Maybe Over, I need to have a word with Scott about that. Overexcitement, I think. <laughs> um, seven minutes added on. Um, and in this seven minutes, we know that Luton are going to be in absolutely no rush to do anything. Um, I think at one point the, the ball was in front of the lad and he didn't want to pick it up to take a throw in, which is uh, always frustrating. Matt, you wouldn't see me time wasting, would you? No, definitely not. No, definitely not. I thought it was scandalous. Um <laughs> It's, it's funny, actually, talk, talking about the substitution um, and obviously change shape as well. Cap, oh, sorry, the M4 is close, so I'm having to go high wicker. Oh, in. no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, brilliant. Um, but, yeah, Jada Silva had actually had a really good move just before he was substituted. And I thought, oh, you know, what are we doing? But as, mm. as Phil said, Tommy Conway came on put himself about yeah I don't know if he was just wearing slippers and, and not his boots but um, yeah it was decent and they they were always going to look to kind of play for time because I think they know they got away with one really yeah 91st minute is a chance for Wells at the back post it's Williams uh, with a neat cross into Vyman who heads surely goalwards now I'll get your view on this Matt in a second but Vyman was must have been going for goal but it goes across the face of goal and you've still got Wells there to hook with his right foot and it goes into the side netting. But what a chance, Matt, give us a, yeah, give us the, a close up view of that. The, the chance for me was Vyman's, um, he, he saw it a long way and you weren't sure if it was going to be Chris Martin or him going for it. He went for the far corner and, and didn't quite get it. Um, to be fair to Naki Wells, I thought the angle was really tight for him. Um, so for me, the, the, the chance was Vyman's. I'd like to look at it back um, and whether Naki could have actually laid the ball back into an area rather than kind of going for a goal and hitting the side netting. But yeah, I think um, and Andy Vyman, it, it was a really, really good chance wasted. Is that how you saw it, Phil? Yeah, I mean, Vyman did everything right. He's headed it back across goal. But then, I mean, I would criticise Wells. I mean, he's gone for goal, but when you see, and you'll see it, Matt, on the replay, he had, I think, Masengo and Martin were just stood in the six-yard box on their own. And he literally could have just knocked it back across, and and one of them would have finished it. So yeah, it looked yeah. a really tight. It looked a really tight angle to go for the shot as well, Phil. So yeah, yes, exactly. So, yeah. but I mean, Vyman should have hit the target though. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. He's in the six-yard box. Ninety-fourth um, minute, uh, a, a, a pring cross is good. Finds Conway um, at the back post who. I think it was sort of thrown on in a, in a right side, almost right of the front three, maybe. And I think he just got caught in two minds and what to do. And he opts to cross it and it's blocked. But, you know, Conway versus Fulham, for me, would take that down and, and shoot towards goal. Um, Matt, what was your view on that one? Yeah, I think, I think you're spot on. I think he was a little bit in two minds. Um, his first touch meant that the ball bounced a little bit. Um, so didn't necessarily have the, the sort of angle in the the right trajectory for the shot. So, but yeah, I, I think it was a case of being a little bit in two minds with it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then the clock runs down and it's a, it's a two, one defeat and been excited about the game all day um, off the back of that, that win at Cardiff. And that first 30, 40 minutes was, was fantastic football apart from that cutting edge and getting this, getting some shots on target. So uh, it's a disappointing evening um, where we're nine points off the playoffs. And you just think if we pick up that result, you know, dare to dream land, etc. But uh, we are down to the bare bones, Phil, in terms of playing staff. Um, and if Viner had have gone off injured, you know, you've got Simpson to bring on and then you have to bring, you have to switch it all up. So in terms of personnel, how are you feeling that we are currently sitting? I mean, I think the big thing is <clears throat> it depends what Nigel wants out, right? I mean, yeah, it sounds like they're potentially going to bring this centre back in, which is, I think, what they need. Is that closer? You know, the, yeah, closer. So I think, you know, it, that sounds hopefully like that'll happen, which will be a little bit more about there. But I think I don't... Was Palmer on the bench today? Uh, good question. Like, no. Don't, no. No. I mean, <clears throat> you know, that's... They just need to get him out, in my opinion. You know, I think he's had enough chances through all the managers... And, you know, you've got Vyman, Scott, Benaroom, who can all play in his position, right? And I think everybody would probably say that we would play better than him. So somehow they've just got to get him out. And then maybe that frees up some money to go and get somebody else. Yeah. In terms of in terms of other areas then, um, so if, if we're hopefully getting a centre-back, um, Tanner still out injured. Do we need someone else on the right hand side? Um, I don't know because you I mean you look at Scott, right? If Williams is back, if Williams is back, then Williams would just drop in the middle, Scott would go out wide, it gives you that natural balance. And obviously, the silver can play out there as well. I mean, Danny Simpson appeared right from nowhere <laughs> today on the bench, but um. I think if anything, and I don't know whether he would go and get some kind of forward, but again, right, he doesn't really want to do the loan market. No. Um, I, I don't know. I don't. After, I don't know if he would though. Yeah. After after t- tonight's game, Matt, um, where are you? Where's your head in terms of transfers? Um, it, it looks. I mean. Close has obviously been training with them and you'd think that's something they're, they're looking at. Um, I would go right side because it looks like Tanner's going to be out for another month, possibly two. I'd rather have Marge Simpson than Danny Simpson. Um, <laughs> but the fact that he's on the bench, Nigel Pearson obviously still sees him as, as having a part to play. Um, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure that we'll actually do any business. It will be interesting. I think... Um, you might have sent me a note earlier on. There's rumours that Newcastle are interested in Adam Webster. Um, and I'm pretty sure knowing um, he was many things, Mark Ashton, but when it came to transfer business, from a sales point of view, he always seemed to have a, a clause put in place. So you'd like to think there might be something if that, if that happens. And if that happens, then that money might then be made available for Nigel Pearson to strengthen. But as, as Phil said, and it's, it's very typical in the, the January window, especially. It needs the little dominoes to fall, doesn't it? And then all of a sudden things open up and, 
you know, think things start to happen. So if Casey Palmer does go, mm. frees up some wages, um, but it's a case of making sure we hold on on everywhere else. But yeah, for me, um, I would be looking at, at the right hand side um, because I think you see Alex Scott today. I, I don't want Alex Scott playing right wing back. I want Alex Scott in the middle of the pitch because I think the kids just got so much talent. However, and again, Patch, we spoke about it. You listened to him last night and he is like, he's the archetypal kid, isn't he? That um, I just want to play. So you stick me in goal, stick me up front, stick me right wing, left wing, right back, left back, I'll play there. And that's that's what you want. As a manager, Nigel Pearson must love Alex Scott. Yeah, 100%. Okay, Matt, um, I'll, I'll talk you through the players, but we're going to come on to the ratings now. So uh, let's go for Max okay, first. Got to go five, mate. Um, for, for me, it was the difference between us coming away tonight with something and not something. So um, I've, I've said it before. I, I love Max's distribution. He pinged a couple of lovely passes, but he doesn't make the saves that Dan Bentley makes that save you the points. Um, and that's that's my concern, really, with Max. I don't know if it's... Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I agree that he is a number one as well, Patch, but t- tonight, and I thought Saturday as well with the Cardiff goal, um, you know, I think I think you attribute the, the proportion of the blame, sadly, to Max. So, yeah, it's a five for me. Um, Phil, any any advance on five? I, I, th- I thought he might be going for a four, personally, but uh, your thoughts? No, I'll, I'll agree with Matt on a five, but I think, like I said earlier, I'm not going to put all of the blame for both those goals on Max. You can. If, if let's say, Viner was there and he was marking him and they both jumped together and then he headed it in, fair enough. You can 100% blame him, right? But there's, there's got to be a defender marking him, even if the keeper doesn't come. There's got to be some kind of defender putting some kind of challenge on. And there wasn't for either goal. Okay. So I would... I would give half the blame to Max and half the blame to the defenders. Five it is. Matt, do you bring in Dan Bentley for Saturday? Yes, I do. Yep. Phil? Mm. Just thinking it over. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with you luxury. guys. You, you, you guys do get to see more than me, so I will, I will go with you on that one. We've got the luxury yes, of having two number ones. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Agree, yeah, yeah, we 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 have, but like I said, you know that Dan Bentley got dropped without really doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, we than, know what other than being he was part of a collective defense that was conceding yeah, a lot of goals. Absolutely, but Max and, also been in that position too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's it's that bit patch where I say your goalkeeper fundamentally has to keep the ball out ball out the net. Um, and, and I'm not, I mean, I, I am obviously bashing Max a little bit and I don't mean to, because as I say, his distribution, the way he sets up the play um, is, is far better than it is with Dan Bentley. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that we've seen an improvement in our attacking play because of Max. But that can't also be at the expense of keeping the ball out of the net. Um, you know, and, and as I said, he, he makes the saves I expect him to make. He doesn't make the saves that you don't expect him to make, whereas Dan Bentley does, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. The ones, the worldy ones, I'm, I'm not seeing from Max at the moment. Well, Matt, we've been Max's biggest supporters, even when he's not been in the 100%. team. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, 100%. You know, everyone has, a, a, has an off day. Um, 
Right, Zach Viner, Matt. Um, couple of little moments again with with sort of the odd stray pass um, and and the odd sort of lapse in concentration. But his recovery tonight was really really good. So he got himself out of a hole. Not a hole is the wrong expression, but he, you know, if, if there was that little lapse, he then recovered, and I thought he did really well. Up against two very very powerful, strong sort of centre forwards. Um, and yeah, I, I thought it was a decent performance from from Zach. So I'd go seven for Zach. Okay, and he was uh, he had a key contribution to the goal. Yes. Yeah. Um, Callas, my man of the match. I thought he was outstanding. Um, as good as is Scott Masengo were, but I thought Callas was an absolute rock against a a really really strong player in that. Um, is it Adebayo, something like that? Yeah. Um, and apologies to him. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought Callis was just quality. Um, he was clearing everything. He, he, he won practically every header. So yeah, it was an eight for me for Callis. Phil, are you happy with Viner seven, Callis eight? Yeah, I, I was worried about Viner in the first five to ten minutes of the, fir- of the second half because the big lad went over and yeah. sort of put himself on him like Mitrovic did, right? And and he won maybe a couple, and I was like, oh, no, this is not going to be good. But then he just matched him up, and I, I mean, I thought he did great. Yeah. Okay. So, Campering? Um, again, I thought it was a really, really good performance from Cam. Um, you know, he, he, he had to switch um, late on, but I thought he defended really well. I thought he got forward, put a couple of good crosses in. Um, so I'm probably going to go an eight again. I thought it was a really good performance from Cap. Okay. Um, happy that, Phil? Yeah, he got an eight just because of the last of 10 minutes. He, he pushed him. He, he, did, he showed more. Yeah, there. That's fair, fair comment. Yeah, yeah. So, but because otherwise... But he was a strong, say, strong seven, wasn't he? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, strong seven. Otherwise, you know, maybe you put Viner as an eight then because I don't think he did much wrong. No, true, true. <clears throat> so, I think, yeah, Pring, Pring was a bit more offensive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and I, I love I love some of the little ball retention things that he does. That little chipped chipped pass uh to Callum, the little back heel to Callum. Um so yeah, you can add he's added on an extra couple of uh knobs and whistles there for me. Um Jada Silva. Um I get I get what Phil's saying from a, a right foot point of view, but but also there were a couple of moments from Jay where he did wriggle free, and certainly in the first half there were little moments where um, the the sort of one twos. Uh, it's it's definitely a six, um, and arguably you know if we if we were allowed halves it would have been a six and a half, but I'd probably go six. Okay, Phil, just put your hand up if you want to challenge. Um, <laughs> Masengo. I I thought him and Alex Scott, and would we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll do both together. I'll, I'll give both eights. Um, and people are going to look at this afterwards and go, "Yeah, but you've lost two one." I know. That's I, what I'm I'll thinking. Say, like, yeah, but <laughs> but for me, Patch and and there were a good dozen sort of blokes in and around me and and ladies. We all said it was our our best attacking display of the season. Um, it felt a really. I'm. I'm actually not. I'm disappointed in the result. I'm not disappointed in the performance at all. I thought they played some really, really yeah. good football on the on the deck. 
moving at pace, um, and and Han Noah and Alex Scott were a huge contributing factor to that. So for for both of them, I'm going eight. Okay. Phil, Phil sort of, Phil sort of shaking, halves? shaking himself a little bit, wondering what he's going to do. <coughs> can, can we do halves? No, yeah, we, we outlawed them. I think it was, ago. yeah, you know, like an eight for the first half, hundred percent. But then, you know, I think they kind of lost the midfield. I thought for about 20, 20 to thirty minutes in that second half, and whether whether Luton did something different. Or what it was. I didn't see them enough in that second half. But the first half, I thought they were great. And I think they lost it a little bit in that second half. So, your yeah. shape, Patrick. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can see I can see where he's coming from. I I mean, we haven't come on to Callum, Vyman, Semenyo, and Martin yet. And we've got yep. four eights already. And we've lost the game. Yep. So, this is a really, really weird one, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and and like I say, um, it feels like that. But but genuinely, sort of being there, and that's I don't mean because you boys were watching it on the box, but it, it, the the atmosphere around us, and we we were all. I mean, a, a, there was a chap next to me said, I, "I just can't remember us playing this well." It was the final ball, and I don't think that final ball was Scott and Masengo. I thought they they mm. won so much ball, created so much, and and I I get what Phil's saying in terms of. Maybe in the second half, not you know, we, we didn't have quite the hold on it, but I still felt um, both of them, both of them were sort of prompting us forward. So yeah, I'm um, okay. Yeah, mate, I'm gonna bow, yeah. bow to your. In, your I'll, I'll bow. I'll bow to him as well. To I'll, his, bow, I'll bow to him because he's because he enforced right? <laughs> exactly, and I've got them um, four close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, Callum. I, I'm not back on it now, thankfully. Um, <laughs> Oh, Callum just frustrates the hell out of me because he does so much good stuff to get himself into positions and then his crossing's just not what you want it to be. You know, probably, and I don't, I, I don't know what the numbers were, but say it was 10 crosses tonight, there were probably two that were of any real threat and something you thought the defenders had to do well to defend against. Mm. Um so it's it's a six because of his work rate and because of, of what he was doing. But I just felt he got into so many good positions and just couldn't find the right final ball. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, Andy Vyman? Um, <clears throat> work, worked his socks off, scored a goal. You couldn't really say he, he did anything too wrong. Um, so again, definitely a seven. Do you go an eight because of the goal and because of that work rate? I'll, I'll leave you boys on that one, but it's a it's a really strong seven for me. I think if he scores that other one, then it is definitely an eight. Um, yeah. yeah. I think strong seven's good. Yeah, okay. I would go with seven because I think, you know, in that attacking midfield, you're also looking for him to create stuff, right? And yeah. I don't think he necessarily created enough as well. Yeah. You can't just run and run and run. Yeah, Semenyo, yeah. Matt. Similar, strong seven. I didn't think he he posed the the individual attacking threat that, that he had on the weekend. I, I can't recall him having a shot. If I'm honest with you, um, no, I don't certainly think so. nothing. No. Yeah, nothing like obviously the weekend where where he was having shots for fun. And don't get me wrong, I think Luton defended better than Cardiff did the weekend. But yeah, but it, but he was still still powerful. Obviously. 
um, key contribution for the goal. Um, so again, yeah, another strong seven. Okay. And Chris Martin. It'd be easy to give Chrissy Martin a six because, um, as I said, it, it didn't quite come off for him tonight, but actually he, he, he was a real presence again up there and kept going, created opportunities for other players by his movement, by putting his body in, and putting himself under the defender. So again, I'm going to go seven for Chrissy Martin. And probably the average patch, and I'll, I'll work out later, but we're probably looking at an average of seven point something. I can do it. For, and as you've said, I, in it, I've got I've got go an then, yeah. spreadsheet in front of me. But carry on. Excellent. But in a, in a game that a game we've lost. But as I said, I thought there were so many positive things tonight. I've I've come away from that game thinking, have we lost that? And if we carry on playing like that, and Joe Williams comes back into that, um, I I mm. I don't. I don't fear for relegation, whereas I have been probably up until Saturday's game, still looking over my shoulder. I, I think we're now really starting to see Bristol City playing the football that I want to see Bristol City play. Um, if we can just improve the final ball, either whether that's through the middle or from a, a cross wide, um, then I think we'll win more games than we lose for the remainder of the season. Yeah, just on just on what Matt said about Chris Martin, he he's one of those that you know that people don't realize what he does. You know, he he's yeah. very much the donkey work, right? He does all the donkey work. He doesn't necessarily get all the glory, and I think that's why you see managers like him. Yeah. You know, managers will keep playing him because they like him. They know he's just going to do the stuff that nobody else wants to do. And I think Semenyo scoring goals, Semenyo getting better. There's only one reason for that. It's because he's playing alongside him and he's learning and yeah. he's finding space because of the handful that Martin is. Okay. So, Matt, the average is <clears throat> seven, dead on. Um, is that right? So, the, uh, the expected <laughs> performance is six and it's seven and we've lost to one. But this is an anom anomaly, but, I think. Yeah, it, it is because, you know, like, like you said, Patch, for, for six, and it was... It was 68% possession at 30 minutes, yeah. but it wasn't at the back, sideways. You know, we talked about the crab sort of movement in the past with under Lee Johnson's teams and stuff. It wasn't. It was with a purpose. We were trying to play it through the middle. Scott and Masengo saw an awful lot of the ball. Um, and and I, I really, really enjoyed the game. Um, and I'm not, I'd, be, I'd be gutted normally after a defeat, but normally it's because I haven't seen us really give it a go. Tonight, I didn't see that. I really thought, we were right in it and and there's no we should absolutely have got something out of it um i actually think we deserve to win the game but you know if if you don't score more than the opposition you don't deserve to win the game i suppose do you but in terms of the the way that we played we we were the better side for 75% of that game yeah and uh, Nigel Pearson um Again, probably a strong seven. I don't. I don't think he got anything wrong. Um, substitution wise, you know, he couldn't be at fault for what happened with the, the goal. I mean, you know, unlucky that Zach Viner had to go off. Um, and I think he tried to do something to win the game. He tried to get back in it with his attacking sort of substitution. So, yeah, I think I think it's got to be a seven for Pearson as well. Okay. Um, I've got lots of tweets to read, um, so I'll take a breath in between each one and chip in if you want to comment, okay? 
Um, yeah, try and try and read them properly though, if you can, because it just th- makes our the people that tweet it makes it look like they can't spell when you read them, mate. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I like so Lee Williams. Uh, he's, he wants more than three words tonight. So I like the fact conceding the goals didn't seem to affect our positive play, which for me is a sign of confidence and belief in the side. Lacked the finishing quality of Saturday, otherwise would have been a comfortable win. We've conceded poor goals all season. Nothing changes. Mark Carter, Pearson's stated top priority, makes us solid at the back, 44 games, five clean sheets, third worst defence in the division. By definition on the facts, Pearson has failed miserably on his own top priority. All right. Can I say something on that? You can. I mean, thank you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean you, you take out, right, you, you take out two free kicks. Did O'Leary have a save to make in the whole game? Do you think so? I don't think he did. So he, so he has made them stronger defensively. You can't do anything about two people making, you know, losing a marker or a goalkeeper not coming for it. You know, if it's in open play, then he's not making them tighter defensively, right? So yeah. my, my thing is, at the end of the day, you know, some for some people, you know, Pearson could win the next 10 games, right? And he's still going to, you know, and they're still going to find people with something wrong with him because they don't like him. So that's my personal opinion on that. What's your thoughts, Matt? Obviously, we shifted uh, six goals at Fulham, two to a poor Cardiff team. We have conceded a lot of goals. Yeah, we have. I I agree with Phil. You know, you you take the Cardiff game. It's a Masengo mistake. It's a run across the the, the man. You know, that's, that's poor defending. The second goal, um, you know, I, I think Max O'Leary should be saving it. Tonight, um, it was, again, the same moments. And Phil's mm. bang on. We, we weren't cut open by Lewin at all. Max hasn't had to make a shot from a save from open play. Um, I did think we looked far more solid today and we're playing more expansive football. So, you know, when you, when you do that, you are going to leave yourself open a little bit. Even the best sides, you know, you look at Liverpool the weekend. Crystal Palace had actually had their finishing boots on. They they win that game probably, although arguably Liverpool were as good in the, the first opening half. But yeah, I I, I think this is a Bristol I City podcast, think, not Liverpool. I know podcast. it is. Too shady, Mister Warner. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I do think that um, we are looking solid. You know, more, more solid, which again is a little bit of a an irony because we conceded two goal two goals against tonight. But yeah, I didn't. It, yeah, it wasn't open play. And what have we been crying out for for the last three or four years? A more exciting, more expensive football. So, exactly. Yeah, can't have yeah. it all. Okay. Yeah. Um, Paul Tompkins, uh, football games aren't won with what happens outside the penalty boxes, was his comment. Um, Andy from the Bang Bang depends podcast. If you, depends, depends if you score from 30 yards, doesn't it? But, yeah. <laughs> but I get the sentiment, Paul. I'm only joking. Andy says... Antoine and Vyman showed great link up again. Martin not really doing either of the jobs he's supposed to be good at tonight. We're not going anywhere until we get the basics right, but more optimism than this time last year. Uh, Nigel Mitchell played okay in fits and starts, but with our defensive frailties, we will continue to ship goals. O'Leary adds something very positive with his distribution, but Bentley is a more commanding keeper. With our defence so poor... I would prefer Bentley on the pitch. 
Uh, Lee Paul, we look good at times, plenty of energy and some good individual performances. Not so keen on on O'Leary in goal when we have a top keeper on the bench. Colin Bateman, we are so soft defensively. A poor Luton team lobs two set pieces into our area and we don't deal with it. Green shoots of a recovery, but the final ball in the final third is so often misplaced. AC9, tough one to take. Don't recall Luton creating anything other than their sloppy goals. Enough for us to be encouraged by. Alistair is Watt- AC in, in AC9 the act anti-corruption unit from Lone <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think so. That's no, AC12. AC12. Uh, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder yeah. whether we had H putting something in then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> quite. Um, Alistair Watt, another frustrating watch. Didn't capitalise, went on top and then conceded poor goals from set pieces. Play some good stuff, but have to tighten up at the back. Uh, Joe AC ninety six. Still, we've got still we've got to keep scoring at least two goals to get something out of games. Not something to look on look at fondly. There's more. Matthew Burke was watching on Robin's TV. Was at the wasn't at the game. Felt we played really well first half. Was exciting to watch, but needed to get the first goal. We're a very young side with plenty to be positive about. Uh, we've looked better with Max in goal, but he needs to be commanding his box more. Bartz says, can't break teams down, only look dangerous counter-attacking, can't cross in attack and can't defend crosses. Uh, Richie Rich, poor defending at set plays, lack of quality in the final third tonight, better to watch without getting the results last five, six games. David Shortland, we beat a very poor Cardiff side on Saturday, we are a poor side who can't stop conceding goals. Better sides will slaughter us with injuries not helping, but desperately need reinforcements before the window, which we've discussed. Squirrel Dave played well. Hopefully we can bring in an experienced centre-back to the end of the season. Williams getting minutes was great to see. Good point. Uh, fingers crossed he can stay fit for the final part of the season. Um, apparently Lewis Britton scoring for fun in Derry is a common comment from Sutts. Uh, which I don't have any information on at the moment. Phil, maybe you can look into that whilst I'm reading these. Did He scored one the weekend, didn't he? But I don't okay. know if he's, if he's played another well, game tonight. Yeah I, mean, yeah, I mean, my thing on that, it's like, okay, you can score a goal, but if you're not doing everything that is needed from you, right, in games, on the training ground, like, we don't see what happens. Everybody's clamouring for Palmer, right? Or all these people, Pearson sees them. You know, who would have thought... Backinson would have been how Backinson was, but apparently he was, right? Yeah. So I think that's what, you know, there's a reason he's trying to change everything. There's a reason yeah, all those people left right. in the summer. Our limit, our knowledge is limited. We have to, yeah, that's why the manager's there, I guess. Um, Russ Jenner, <laughs> bent back in for Preston. Max just isn't imposing enough. Ian Gay need a center back and a right wing back as a minimum also need a strong center forward but our priorities lie at the back um colin sutton such defense changed more times in the last four or five matches than changing the guard at buckingham palace uh and lee granger last one uh soft at set pieces need to fix fix asap wide of that again some promising sign though Pring and Scott, fantastic. Again, good 14 minutes from Williams. One good again, still some positive signs. He's got a little emoji. I can't quite see. Oh, Antoine. Very good. He's got an ant emoji and one. Very nicely. You've confused me there. 
good again. Still some positive signs. Okay. Um, we've gone through the tweets, Matt. Uh, how are you getting on on your journey home? Uh, yeah, just gone past Reading Services. So, oh, what, about an hour and, hour and so to go. So, yeah. You're flying. You're flying. Flying, yeah. Sticking Absolutely. to the speed limit, though. Yeah. Yep. 70 miles an hour tops. It is, yeah. On cruise, yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you off to Preston at the weekend? I am, yeah. I'm um, staying at my good friend Rachel and Andy Greens. Um, so they look after me. On uh, I'll go up on Saturday morning early, bit of lunch, and then I'll stay overnight and travel back on Sunday and then do it all again the following week when we play Blackpool. Very nice, very nice. Uh, Phil, for you, Preston away. I know you're not going because that would be mental. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> do you make what changes do you make? Do you keep with the three the three four what is it we play sorry the three four one two formation um and if so personnel wise is it bentley coming in for you any other changes i mean i think there's a very good chance that he's going to bring bentley in you you would think right i mean you, you would think and i mean i would just like to see somebody who's right-footed on the right side because I think, you know, everything was down our left side, even in that first half, you know, and, and I know talk about taking Scott out, but, you know, even if you've got to put Scott back out there, it, is Williams going to be fit enough? I, I don't think Williams will necessarily be fit enough to play, you know, even 60 minutes, right? So, but I, and that's what I would like to see is a right-footed player on the right side. Mm. Matt, your thoughts? Um, I, I agree with, with Phil, but I think because of Joe Williams and they, and they do really want to manage it carefully because we do need mm -hmm. him for the rest of the season, I think I probably start, um, if everyone's fit, in, in the same way that we started tonight, but with Bentley in goal. Okay. Yeah, I'm just reading through a few tweets um, from Gregor. Um, Nigel has basically said that Closer trained with them, uh, has been training with them. Um, and looks like there's an outside chance he could be in and around the squad on Saturday. So that'll be interesting. We'll see what happens there. But I was under the impression that he wasn't anywhere near fitness, personally. Yeah, but I could just mean stick him on the bench, right? So at least we have a centre-back on the bench. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Very true. Okay, cool. Right, we're going to leave it there. Um, all being okay. well... I've got uh, Wayne Allison and Junior Bent with me tomorrow afternoon on Zoom. So uh, there might be a Robins reunited on the horizon. Uh, so looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, just to say, can't believe it was 28 years ago that uh, Brian Tinney scored, scored that goal <laughs> at Anfield. Um, yeah. That is crazy. But for now, thank you again to Ellis for coming on earlier on to talk about the vlog. Um, big thanks to Phil. We finally got you on, Phil. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, good to speak to you, Phil. Um, and Matt, safe journey on the rest of the way home. Thank you, my friend. Take it steady. Take care, everyone. Don't forget Take to follow us guys. on Twitter right. at 3PIAPC. Um, and we'll be back soon. Take care. See you guys. Thunder